0: everyone, welcome to the 79th episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. I'm Jim Steadman, senior editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower editor Frank Giles. Frank, uh, it's it's been a a lovely Labor Day weekend here in the uh, in the mid South. How did uh, how did things go over in the southeast?
1: Well, it was hot and humid. as <laughs> tends to be the case this time of year, but it was a it was a nice long weekend, and by and large, the weather was. Pretty good here, some pop-up showers as is the norm in Florida. And of course, we'll be talking a lot more about weather here in a little bit, as a little sneak peek to our special guest this weekend. Yes,
0: and that's, that's one of the reasons I was asking about the weather, because we do have uh, something totally different and special today. Uh, joining us shortly in our virtual studio will be uh, Mike Boylan, who's better known to farmers and other weather watchers as the man behind Mike's weather page, Uh, that you can find online and certainly on uh, Facebook and and other social media. Uh, Frank, what are we going to be talking with Mike
1: about? Well, just going to talk to him about how spaghettimodels.com, that is his website, and Mike's weather page on Facebook came about, just the the history of that story, uh, how it's evolved over time, and and talk a little bit about a busy, busy 2020 hurricane season that seems to be getting a lot busier here in the next uh, next couple weeks, probably. Well, this
0: is going to be fun. It's, it's going to be a different type of interview for us, and, and hopefully something our listeners are really, really going to enjoy. But before we get started on that, let's break away and hear a short message from our sponsor, Phytogen.
2: Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. Thanks as always
0: to the folks at Phytogen for sponsoring the Cotton Companion Podcast. And now let's take a few minutes and turn things over to our colleague Robin Sickberg for a custom content interview with Dr. Brad Hopkins, who's Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist in Central and South Texas.
2: Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg, custom content editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. My guest today is Dr. Brad Hopkins, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist in Central and South Texas. So welcome to the program, Brad.
3: Hi, Robin. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, I know the 2020 cotton harvest is in full swing in, in your territory. So can you give us an update of what kind of season you're seeing in your area and, and how's harvest going?
3: Man, it's hard to believe how how fast things have gone and you know, to be honest, the, the harvest season is just about wrapped up. We've still got a few few farms that uh, need to get harvested here, but uh, by and large, the majority has come out already. We start first down south. You know, really, we had a, a pretty good growing season this year. Those guys in the valley had a lot of acres that got routed out early on, which was tough. They, they really needed some rain down there. And then uh, the guys that were able to get a crop together you know, Phytogen 400 was looking really promising. A little bit of dryland stuff we had come out yielding really well, had really high quality. And then Hurricane Hannah hit, you know, so we've really lost the majority of the the cotton acres down there. I really feel for those guys. Definitely been a tough year, but I'm, I'm excited about next year. I think 400 is going to be a really nice option for them.
2: Yeah, it's been pretty tough down in the valley and cotton growers are nothing if not resilient and definitely they've had their challenges this year, which has been pretty tough. So I'm glad that there's a variety there that might look pretty good for the future. What about the Texas coastal bend season?
3: The coastal bend area, some of them got planted early and they they ended up pretty dry as well. And uh, a lot of acres went in right up against the planting deadline where uh, they caught a pretty good good rain. You move up the coast and the upper coast, they... uh, planted two to four weeks earlier than normal. So really a lot of that cotton all ended up being about the same age. Phytogen 400 and 480 were the top two performers across all of the Monster and Race trials last year. And uh, we continue to see really good results with both those varieties again this year. I've seen a lot of harvest go through and uh, seed cotton weight is looking really good right now. We're really just waiting to get our uh, turnout and quality data back from the gents to understand how those will look. You know, we're also excited. Those same varieties are going to be in the university trial. So as soon as we get those results available, I'm looking forward to being able to share those with everybody.
2: Well, thank you so much. We're about out of time, but I really appreciate your sharing this information with us. And growers can always get more information at www.phytogen.com. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, Robin. Thanks,
0: Robin. And thank you, Brad, for that interview segment. And before we begin our weather discussion with Mike Boylan, there are just a couple of items of interest that uh, we want to take a moment to briefly touch on. Uh, First of all, Cotton Incorporated has added a new report titled Prevention of Plastic Contamination When Handling Cotton Modules. Uh, You can find that on its producer-directed website, Cotton Cultivated. And this report's providing recommendations to growers, to module handlers and ginners about the proper handling of round modules from the field to the gin to help prevent plastic contamination. Uh, the U.S. cotton industry, as we all know, has a long history of producing contamination-free cotton, and we certainly want to preserve that reputation. Uh, you can cert- also find a link to that report in our article on cottongrower.com. And of special interest to growers in the Mid-South and parts of the Southeast and Texas, there's a new joint venture uh, that was announced last week combining the wholesale and retail business of Agra AFC Uh, the retail business of Greenpoint Ag, and the wholesale agronomy business of Tennessee Farmers Cooperative. Uh, This new venture is going to operate under the Greenpoint Ag name, and it will be owned by three parent companies, uh, Alabama Farmers Co-op, Tennessee Farmers Cooperative, and Winfield United. Uh, The combined company will be a top seven wholesale and retail agronomy company with over $1 billion in sales, they will operate 99 retail and wholesale agronomy locations in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Tennessee, and Texas, and will service 11 different crops over 28 million acres. Uh, this company is now is going to be based in Decatur, Alabama, with regional offices in Memphis and Laverne, Tennessee. So for growers in uh, in those areas, watch for a. Uh, you know, a, a new name and a new structure uh, for, for a lot of your, uh, your farm inputs going into next year. And with that, Frank, I guess it's time to open up the virtual studio to uh, today's special guest. Why don't you go ahead and get him set up? All right. Well,
1: I want to welcome Mike Borland uh, to the podcast. He is uh, Mike's weather page, Facebook fame uh, a lot of you who follow hurricanes, I'm sure, are aware of him, but we're going to talk to him a little bit about how that came about. But I, I just in introducing him wanted to give kind of my experience. I moved to Florida in 2007, and my first tropical experience was Tropical Storm Faye. And really, other than a lot of rain here in the Orlando area where I lived, it was nothing really. And it, it was like a decade of silence. And uh, in 2016, Hurricane Matthew came along and I suddenly got interested in hurricanes again. So, you know, I was poking around trying to get information and I had a friend on Facebook who shared uh, Mike's weather page. So I started following then and have been a a fan and a follower ever since. So Mike, welcome to the podcast. And we're, we're glad you joined us.
2: Yeah, thank you for being a fan. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I love doing these and, you know, reaching different audiences and it's uh, very humbling to know how many, you know, different parts of the industries and, and parts of the world that all tune in. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Look forward to chatting.
1: Good deal. I guess just to get us started, tell us how Mike's weather page
2: came about
1: and how it's evolved over the years.
2: It was, uh, well, 2004, we had Charlie coming towards Tampa Bay and uh, I was learning a little bit of HTML uh, web design in college, and uh, could not find any information on the on the internet. And it was, you know, I was I was addicted to spaghetti models and uh, NHC maps. And so I decided to put together a page for for me, uh, my weather page, uh, and I shared it with friends and family. Uh, and every you know storm, I would find more links and more graphics, and kind of making it that one stop shop for. Tropics and and really just shared it with friends and, and whatnot. And then a couple years later I bought the domain name and uh slowly it's slowly become what it is today. Um more still, it's kind of like my little website that I, I love to go to uh that everybody else does too. <laughs> yeah, and that the URL for the website is uh spaghetti models.com or I, I if you're like me and can't spell spaghetti, you can just do Mike's weather page. <laughs> It comes up to. <laughs> I always seem to mess that one up. Perfect. So the page has grown substantially over the years. Uh, talk about your Facebook engagement. How many followers you have now? Yeah, the, the Facebook, I guess it was 2009 is when I started that. And uh, I remember when we fir- first hit 5,000 fans and I was so excited about it and, and made a big deal about it. And now we're up to almost a million Uh, you know, my post engagement for just last week was over 11 million actual engaged. And I guess (laughs) I can't even fathom that. That's, that's like a city. Uh, So yeah, the the websites half of what I kind of do. And then the the Facebook has become a big source of news for people. Uh, So I do the Facebook lives. And I kind of have a whole different audience, I think that that rely on Facebook, just as much as the website. Um, And it's kind of a community, you know, people love it. Uh, It's very, Uh, personal. We have a great group. Um, It's like a comfort zone. You know, I I always say it's people helping people. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's become a really fun, fun side of of Mike's weather page. I really enjoy it. Do you
1: find as a big storm comes on, do you, is that where you pick up a big chunk? It wasn't like my experience where I saw a friend share your page. Oh, for sure. And yeah,
2: yeah, I have the the dedicated diehards. Um, I do go through the winter and we have fun. I take take everybody on snow chasing trips and, uh, but yeah, this, when the storm's coming for sure. Uh, not everybody lives on social media, so it, it really grows. And what's what I guess over the years, what what woke me up is is I used to only focus on Florida, and then we had a storm going to the Carolinas, let's say, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I gotta I gotta keep motivated on that. And then Texas and. Uh, the, the Caribbean. So I, I've learned, um, you know, we, depending on where the storm is, obviously the crowds different. Like when we had Hannah with Texas, it was a whole different group. And, uh, obviously upper Gulf and, and, uh, East was uh, East coast. So, uh, it's, it's neat because regionally you'll see different parts coming in when there's a storm that you don't normally see. Do you have a sense of your
1: worldwide presence? You know, how many followers outside of the U.S.?
2: I'll, I'll do that every now and then. I'll be bored sitting at uh, Chili's and I'll post in there like, hey, where's everybody from? Or, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of fans in Bermuda. So I'll joke because everybody calls these storms fish storms. And I used to also. And, man, you forget, like I'm looking at Paulette, it's heading right towards possibly Bermuda Uh, So, you know, we've got people in the the Azores, little islands all around, um, a lot of Caribbean uh, fans. And, you know, I I would, again, I used to be guilty and only worry about Florida. But now that I realize the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and Barbados and, you know, uh, just it's crazy. Yucatan, you know, so, yeah, the the worldwide stretch is just blows me away. It's just so it's very cool how Facebook has connected the the weather world. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about the Drunk Donkey.
1: And how you've embraced that? What's the history
2: behind that? And it's, it's kind of a fun story. Yeah, it's it was, it's still fun. I, I don't even call out who did it. Um, it was harmless, uh, but during Hurricane Florence, I apparently shared a model that was uh, pretty worst case scenario, and uh, the local markets in the Carolinas got wind of it, and, and they were getting a lot of questions. So meteorologists went on air and they're like you know yeah before anybody says anything some dude down in florida named mike is sharing this model and then she went on to say you know any drunk donkey can share a a model that was basically um that's what they hate i mean meteorologists hate that one worst case run and it gets blasted on social media and then they have to hear it from their their fans so they're like they didn't know who i was and and it happened just yesterday Uh, i had the same deal somebody said I was cherry-picking models to get clicks, and um, so anyway, my buddy that does uh, t-shirts that I know, I'm like, hey, whip me up a logo, you know, and uh, we did, and the next day, we had a shirt, and now that's, that's our thing, everybody's Drunk Donkey Nation, it's it's crazy, I, I have share. I had a share yesterday, somebody was at Disney, a uh, couple, both wearing them, and uh, you know, ABC, our local, you know, Florida fine wine and spirit store sponsor me now, Koozie, so uh, it, it's a weird fit <laughs> and it works. I don't know. Is this sort of like the weather version of Parrot Heads, Mike? That's I call it. Drunk Donkey Nation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a large percentage of my, my following are Jimmy Buffett and Kenny Chesney boat boating crew, you know? So yeah, that's, that's me. That's my style too. So perfect. It's fun.
1: Well, I know in your
2: defense, I follow
1: you pretty closely and watch a lot of the live uh, broadcast and, you always are given disclaimers, you know, and I I don't take anything you do as hyping. uh, But for cotton growers, when they've got a field of cotton that's open and ready to harvest, I think they appreciate somebody that is willing to look at those models a little further out because, If they've got cotton ready to pick, they'll want to know when they need to go and be happy if it misses them, but be safe, you know, be safe rather than sorry.
2: Well, that's the one thing I I don't try to do, but I guess I've always shared all the possibilities. And that's the, that's the one thing that I hear people like is that they can think for themselves and, you know, they want to see all possibilities and, and every now and then I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say what I think uh, when I'm confident. And, uh, but yeah, that's the number one thing people like, they don't like the hype and they don't like, uh, they just want to be treated like, Hey, you know, just throw, throw, throw it out there, all the possibilities and, and, uh, and we'll decide, you know, and it's worked, <laughs> it's worked this long. You said you had an experience with cotton with hurricane Michael. Just talk a little bit about that. Yes. Well, uh, we go to Talladega for the NASCAR race every year. And, uh, we, I was tracking Michael, it was actually right behind us. It was the weirdest thing. We we stayed at a Walmart, and I remember the radar was literally the bands of Michael were almost reaching us, but we, we went to the race. And on the way home, through we, we went through Albany, Georgia, and uh, it was north of Landfall, but I couldn't believe the amount of uh, cotton fields. I think the one road we take is 441 or something. It's a really, uh, you know, stretch there, but uh, just seeing the cotton everywhere, you know, and I remember, and we talked about it before the show, but- I posted it because I couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe the damage that was inland. And uh, again, there's always so much focus on on landfall and the beaches and, and the you know the surge, but they never talk a lot about inland effects. And that storm in particular, the pecan farmers too, uh, and cotton were really devastated. And none of that was ever really shown on the news. But I, it was my personal experience. So I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I was like, wow, you know, I mean, cotton it, everywhere. It was like... You know that people that probably didn't expect the category three to be that far north, yeah, uh, were, were devastated. And so. particularly bad, it was a beautiful crop that year too. So
1: it's amazing what a day a day of a storm can do to something. So, well, you know, I just for people that may be new to you, talk a little bit about during a busy storm season what a, what a day in the life of Mike looks like, and just kind of walk us through what
2: you do on a typical day, say tomorrow? Okay, well, uh, let's say, I usually, because I'm getting older now, I hate to admit it, I wake up early. <laughs> I used to be a sleeper runner. Uh, but lately, I, I sometimes wake up, uh, my wife goes to work early, so I, I'll catch the three o'clock advisory in the morning. Because there's a couple model runs that run GFS and Euro. and I, I, Sometimes I'll post, uh, five o'clock advisory comes out from the NHC uh, in the, you know, 5 a.m. So I'll start posting it then, then 6 a.m. We get the, the uh, 6Z model runs, uh, and then at 8 o'clock, and then we do a Facebook Live at 9 o'clock. Uh, and then uh, by ten, 11, we're done with that, and I'll have to update everything that I've missed during my live. And then by noon, there's a whole new crop of models that run, the 12Z suite, uh, the Euro runs at, at 2, you know. So there's, there's like something every 30 minutes to an hour that I, I, I don't say look forward to, but, I know it's coming, you know, and then if the hurricane hunters are out there flying, uh, you know, I'll check in on that. I read Twitter uh constantly because the, the, you know, a big part of, of what I do is I I, I re- listen to everybody else and other forecasters listen to me too, you know. So you see the trends and you see something you might have missed and you just get a pulse, you know. And I always explain to people like it's hard to explain, but like I I feel like I get a pulse with a system when when you're connected to it all the time and uh, if I take a break, if I ever have to take a break for 12 hours and say, I feel so lost. Um, so I, 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 just like to stay in tune with every model run. I, you know, trends are huge. So, it, you know, it's hard to, to, you know, digest all that unless you're in the moment. And, uh, cause I watch for trends and I watch for consistency and, uh, and you can't do that just looking every, you know, 12 hours. Um, and then I'll, I'll usually try to do a Facebook live at eight o'clock, um, post the 11 o'clock advisory from the NHC and then I'll try to go to bed <laughs> I usually visit uh, the, the, the the adult beverages from about 10 to 11 that's great and then start all over again that's great a busy day before you know
1: before we jump into uh, what's percolating out right there a uh, couple quick things
2: do you have a favorite model I mean that may change from year to year and uh, it does change yeah uh, the euro used to be King everybody always talks about the euro. Uh, over the years the Euro Euro and GFS were the top two Uh, and and the last couple years the Canadian model used to be made fun of but it's actually gotten very well the CMC which is also the GEM the same one Uh, I usually look at a blend of models Uh, the UK is a good model Uh, lately this year the Icon's a German model I've been finding has been really accurate so like every year you start to get a feeling of what models you know doing better than others and this year in particular, the Euro started out a little rocky. Uh, my theory on that is we had so many homegrown systems that just kind of popped up. You know, they, they haven't been your classic Cape Verde style hurricanes that come across the Atlantic. Um, so I, I'm thinking it's, uh, you know, you have these mesoscale models, they call them. The h uh, worf and H-Mon are two high intensity models that have been very well this year. And, and I, that's, that was the one that I was using to show people Laura could be strong. And unfortunately, it was strong. Uh the euro and gfs were all over the place and so so it's hard that's what i mean it goes back to that daily grind if you really want to stay in tune of what's happening it's, it's it's kind of knowing what all the models are doing and um you know it's such a weird it's just i sometimes wonder i'm like do, you, do i really need to spend as much time on it but then if i don't like i said I, I i don't sound like i know what i'm talking about even though i don't Half the time I want to sound like I do at least.
0: <laughs> That's a rarity, a weather person who kind of admits that they don't exactly know what's going to happen. Nobody
2: knows. Nobody knows. And if and, and the thing is, every storm I could I can go back and show a post or a model run that was wrong, and I would never say you know I never call anybody out that they're wrong, but. <laughs> it, it, weather humbles you it's it's i think that's why everybody likes it because it's so unpredictable well, And i
0: think that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you because weather plays such a huge part in uh you know in, in cotton production you know from coast to coast you know, we're in, in the cotton belt and and i was i was looking at your page this morning uh so if you don't mind let's let's kind of take a look at, at this current map we are we're taping this on september 8th uh, and right now you've got three storms currently in the atlantic uh, one of which is off the Carolina's coast that I'm sure there's some growers over in that area that are, are keeping an eye on. Uh, with two others still out in the Atlantic, what uh, what's going to happen with these?
2: Well, the, the the closest one to the U.S. is that it's Invest ninety four. Um, it kind of popped up out of nowhere. It's actually a little bit of remnants from we had a storm called Omar, <laughs> and uh, it's it's not. I mean, NA, NAC is saying we could have a trouble depression by the weekend, so it's it's coming toward the end of the week. It's a slow mover. I don't expect any sort of uh, rapid intensification, but we could. it's going to be more of a rain event. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to go in, inland very much because we have a the front. The big news of, of the week right now is the snow out in Denver, and, and we have a rare, 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 rare cold front right now happening uh, that's bringing in a ton of snow. Well, that's going to kind of block this from going much inland. So uh, it appears to be more of a coastal rainmaker event before this front comes along and either absorbs it or pushes it back to see. So we could have a little surprise spin up out of it. You know, we've had that happen all year. Uh, every storm this year, surprisingly is uh, kind of popped up when it wasn't supposed to. So I'd keep, you know, we, we could see a little surprise spin up uh, kind of like we saw with uh, Hannah uh, you know, ECE. Um, so it's, you know, th- these are the ones you got to watch. I mean, we're not talking about a Laura because it doesn't have the time um, it, you know, a system like Laura needs a good three, four five days, once it's established, this was not even established yet. There's no spinach, as I say. So, so it could be a, a weaker, you know, tropical system, but it's not going to go inland. So that's good news. Uh, the rain looks like it's going to be more of a coastal event and the front coming is going to at least push it back and it, it won't hang around much. Um, and then the other systems, uh, because of this weakness in the, in the Atlantic with Omar, that this spawned the B, the Bermuda high that's typically very, very strong, is kind of broke down. So these other two systems are curving to the north, uh Paulette and Renee. So more than more than likely Paulette'll be a Bermuda threat. Doesn't appear any East Coast threat with those. The the long range models, uh a little concerning is there is another wave coming off of Africa that um is behind Renee that could make its way into the Caribbean by this time next week. Uh, so that that's got the eye of a lot of people. There, we're starting to see model consistency that we could be looking at that that Cape Verde style system. That you know we, we always get the one one or two a year that we have to track long long track and uh, it looks like and then there's another one after that and you know the peak of season's the tenth and unfortunately Africa got, Africa's got three more waves in 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 inland right now so we we we've got a busy month ahead of us unfortunately.
0: Well, that was that was my next question. I know it's 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 Atlantic hurricane season, but uh, you know we 've already also seen three storms in the Gulf uh, that impacted texas and and up in the mid south. Uh, what are the chances of seeing uh, another storm or two hidden in that direction?
2: Uh, just as good as any, anywhere else. Put it to you that way like you know some people think it 's closed like the season 's closed because we already had a system uh, there 's already some ensembles with this new wave off Africa shoving you know through Hispaniola Cuba, just like the the path we saw with Laura. Um, it's all how strong that high pressure system is and uh, timing of fronts. And when we have three or four waves coming off at the same time, one's going to react to a front, but the next one might not have the same reaction. So the, the highs are going to come and go and they're going to build and they're going to close. Um, so, the, you know, since we're going to have three, four, five more waves possibly that we're going to have to watch the, uh, the threats definitely there. And then, And then really back to your question about the golf, the golf, typically they're more in line for October style systems. Uh, and that's because we get these old fronts that hang around and uh, create some, some spin and low pressure tails of fronts. And, and these usually get wrapped up. That's where Michael started and come straight up to the golf. So unfortunately for the golf, the uh, it is, they, they haven't even, you know, escaped any chance yet. The, the first the first part of the country that starts to escape, and I've learned this over the years, is actually Texas, because as these fronts come down, these systems typically all start to curve to the um, to the east. So Texas is usually the first one you can say uh, starting to have less threats. But as of you know, as of now, it's um, unfortunately you know we we have a lot of memorable October storms, and you know they don't think this year is going to be any different.
0: I noted that you know we're already up to the R's in terms of names and we haven't even peaked the season yet uh what do we do do when we run out of names when we go when we go through the 26 letters of the alphabet
2: well they they've only done it once and that was i think in 2005 and they go to the greek alphabet they go to alpha beta then gamma um they actually have and weather channel today was actually starting to promote that so they go to the greek alphabet list um and, and all the official predictions are we are going to be in the Greek alphabet list.
0: Well, I can, I can, I can assure you, and, I, and Frank will, will agree, too, that we've heard growers come up with their own names for some of these storms, uh, you know, for many, many times. And, uh, you know, and, and they're certainly more colorful and probably better than, uh, than what the we- National Weather Service will give us.
2: This year was terrible. I mean, <laughs> I, I butchered every name. The only one that we didn't get more than a day was Dolly. I was excited about Dolly. <laughs> she only lasted a day. You know, um, we, I, ECE, it took me two weeks to learn how to say it. Um, and by then it was over with. Yeah. yeah and I still wanted to say it. Um, I, I blended Lorenzo and Marco or, or I don't know. I, I butchered a couple, couple other ones, um, but I, I, you know, back to the Greek thing. It's funny. I just I got done talking to my, my shirt guy and all my, you know, people love our shirts. Uh, we're going to, I'm making our donkey and uh, a Greek toga outfit. And he's going to be on a palm tree with his toga blowing, and we're going to have some funny saying. But because I know we go to the Greek alphabet, that's going to be the story of the year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, tell us again. Remind remind us where where our listeners can can find your reports, where they can can see your uh, what you have, and maybe more importantly, where they can maybe get a, a their hands on a, a you know a drunk donkey.
2: Shirt. Sure. Well, I, actually, I was, I was lucky to get Mike's weather page on everything. So Twitter you know, all you gotta do is Google Mike's weather page, Instagram, and, uh, the websites, Mike's weather page, Facebook's Mike's weather page. So it, in it's, uh, pretty easy to find. And in the store, I do have a little link right at the very top of my page and I got an image of the donkey. Can't really miss it. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a cool store and, uh, people share funny pictures with their donkey gear. <laughs> we even have a face, face covering donkey mask, which is, uh, good because the tongue is positioned just right so it kind of looks like a drunk donkey (laughs) very good
1: well mike unless you have anything else i think we can wrap it up now we really really appreciate you coming on and uh telling us your story and and all you do to keep everybody
2: informed about the weather uh well no thank you guys i mean i've um you know i i I have a lot of fun doing this but it's also i'm reminded of the people that live through these storms and even with laura uh, we had a fan that messaged me when they were evacuating and then the day later she texted me pictures of their house with the roof blown off and uh, you know we've, we tend to forget that people live through this stuff and like you mentioned your farmers uh, the, the effects so I'm always learning you know I have a good time doing it but I take it very serious and, and uh, just so thankful to have some people like yourself enjoy it and I look forward to having having more fans we can all be part of this together that's
0: great Mike thank you so much Certainly, for taking time to join us uh, on, on Cotton Companion, too. Hopefully, it's a you know a little different different audience for you at this point.
1: So that pretty much wraps up another episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. Thanks again to Mike Borland for joining us in the virtual studio today, and uh, thanks to the folks at PhytoGen for sponsoring us. And thank you dear listeners for joining us again. If you like what you hear uh, at the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. And here's how you do it. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com/companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine.
0: And a quick reminder, keep your eyes open for our August-September issue, which should be hitting your mailboxes right about now, if you haven't already received it. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the Mothership Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Steadman. I'll be back with you in a few weeks for the next episode of the Cotton Companion. So for now, on behalf of my own cotton companion, Frank Giles, we wish you all the best and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day, God made it fun. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works and he works all day,
2: God
0: made it fun.
2: Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of the Cotton yeah, Companion. Bless. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com. Whoa.